now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse Podcast. This is your hosts, Dan Harshman and Mr. Austin Young. Attempting to wake up to record. (laughs) I'm awake. You're awake. I'm not awake. Session 16, Proton Wands for the Black Firehouse Podcast. Austin, how are you doing, bud? I'm here. I'm ready to do this. I know. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm praying for you and hoping you you recover and pull through from your mystery con crud stuff. Yeah, you know what? It didn't even hit me it could be con crud as to why I'm not feeling good. Uh but well, I mean I knew part of it was con related just because like having to get all the display stuff out, you know, getting that stuff out of storage and uh the long hours of of manning a booth. Um when you don't precisely take care of yourself, i.e. wholly ignore <laughs> your own well-being, conventions tend to get harder and harder yes. over time. And uh, The older you get, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I enjoyed it. It was, it was Tidewater Comic Con. It was the first kind of larger, large-ish convention. It's so difficult when, when, when you and I, we've been to like dragon con we've been to new york comic con um when you've been to a convention of that caliber and you're talking about one of your more state level conventions like tidewater comic con which in itself it's a big con you know attracts probably a few thousand people but it's not attracting the same level as dragon con yeah you know it's uh it's still a one room you know, maybe one and a half room event. So Artist Alley and all the famous people and the, you know, the the vendors and everything are really all in the same space. But uh, as far as Virginia goes, it's one of our bigger conventions. But it was a lot of fun. My favorite part was setting out all of my hand props. Yeah, letting everybody play with them. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God, no. Everything was... No touching! Everything was behind plexiglass. And in cases. Which is amazing, you know. I mean, uh, I I definitely want to have things out on the table that people can interact with Mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, there's always a display version of something that you keep kind of behind the table or, like you said, under plexiglass or in a case. And then you have the uh, this can get broken and I don't care version that's mm-hmm. for the general public to interact with and, and play with and, you know, and all that good stuff. Cause you know, you, we work hard on these props, you know, they're for us, but you do like to take them out and show them off, but you also don't want anybody to touch them. Yeah. And well, you know, I don't want anyone touching my, my back rack multimeter. Um, I did mm-hmm. sneak my superhero. It's already thrower. cracked. No, no, no. That's uh that's, that's the unfortunate Lamont uh, conductivity. Oh, meter that's right. Yeah, that has that hairline yeah. cracking from from shipping, which is so sad. Uh, I did sneak my superhero thrower 
into our display and nobody noticed is it nobody no nobody noticed or just nobody cared nobody cared (laughs) (laughs) but i had why uh, is it what it's missing stickers why is that piece not painted yeah well i had i had the the baccarat multimeter plugged into it you know kind of like oh what yeah was doing on the on the dinner table um Mm -hmm. so it was fun it was fun to set it up and it was fun to see everything together and it was nice having it behind plexi but it actually got a lot of looks a lot of people were just like really enthralled with kind of looking at the the shelves of uh of just weird esoteric props that they really probably didn't recognize from the movie but it was still fun it was a lot of fun yeah um it was a good show i'm just i'm recovering um and ready to make it. do another event next Saturday. <laughs> yeah, baby. Start getting that cardio in. Right. <laughs> uh, how about you? What's new in the world of Austin? Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? Yeah. There is not, nothing. Not a wrong lot. Just, that. you know, nothing. Same shit, different that. day. Um, and you Ghostbusters know? prop news. Uh, a, you know. Yeah. Were you lying, or did you actually have something? New I was going gonna on? say that. No, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> lying. It's just anything I have to talk about is for the next segment. So okay, fair enough. Because it's all my life consists of is props. I mean, that's not a bad deal. So uh, this one, I had a hard time uh, kind of figuring out where it should go. As far as like, is this something that should be like you've earned it? Because there's kind of an element of you've earned it, or should it be in prop news? I, I'm gonna just put it in prop news, and that's uh, the Taco Belly um phoebe proton pack that that mark cabelli has been working on have you seen that of course i've seen it okay okay of Um, course everybody's seen it it's amazing it is it's very very sexy it's incredible i think it's setting a new standard as far as what can actually go all into a, a proton pack and i've been enjoying dan is that your pick for you've earned it no okay good see see we're fine it's actually it's not it's uh and it's it's not because i don't think it's great it's just that um we pick a lot of like really highly accurate builds and i i've been trying to shy away from that lately because i feel like that's all we did for like six shows in a row or whatever all right and uh i'm trying to to get outside my comfort zone if you will fair enough Fair enough. Well, um, so yeah, Mark Cabelli um, using Q files, and he is super active over on uh, the 3D pro three uh, D prop printing forums for Ghostbusters. Has created this uh, really quite amazing. He he's not completely completely done with it. You know, it still needs uh, weathering if he's doing weathering, and um, but a Phoebe proton pack that has uh, light, sound, smoke. Lights inside the cyclotron, outside the cyclotron, um, a removable mm-hmm. cyclotron, everything. I mean, it functions almost identically to what you see in the movie, uh, if not better, because yeah, it has the smoke awesome. effects on it. Yeah, it it was really good. It got mentioned on Ghostbusters News, uh, which was excellent and well-deserved. But as far as prop news, I think that's definitely something that is... Uh, that is of interest in ecto labs 
Ecto Labs is doing a uh, another run of their Keymaster 84 key fob sets, which is also excellent news. So if you're looking for kind of the super high-end quality key fobs, um, they put a lot of research into those, which I thought was very, very cool. Um, a lot of just overlaying what you see. Yeah, in the they're movie. beautiful pieces. They are. They're gorgeous. And I missed out on their last run. I'm going to miss out on this run too, which really upsets me because I did want to buy a set. Um, but hey, you know what? Third time's a charm, right? Um, and then watch them not announce a third run ever. Like after this, they're like, ah, we're done. Key <laughs> fobs are dumb. No more. <laughs> we're not building them anymore. Print is dead. Yep. Uh, but outside of that, yeah. I mean, business is a little slow. I think everyone's just kind of waiting in anticipation for for Ghostbusters 4 news. That sounds weird to say. That sounds really right? weird to say. Waiting on news for Ghostbusters 4. That's... The crazy thing about it is that it's not like it was for Ghostbusters 3, right? Where you had Dan Aykroyd... Filming this Every spring, six months. <laughs> Filming this spring, we, we you know we're gonna get the green light any day now. This, this actually has the green light. We got Ben Stiller <laughs> and Will Smith, Chris Farley stars. Oh, Chris Rock. Oh, God, yeah, it's so weird to say that, or you know, and some people they're calling it the fifth Ghostbusters movie, which is also correct, which also is weird. Like both of them saying it's the fifth Ghostbusters movie. Um. And it's also the Ghostbusters Four, the original continuity. Yeah, it's yeah. it's what a time to be alive. We got two new games coming out, a new movie on the way. Hopefully, a TV show or animated series or something is in the pipeline. Like, yeah, it's uh, it feed us more prop stuff. Like that's that's what I'm thinking. Yes. Like the, the video games. Like uh, I'd love to see more of what they're thinking as far as the props go. Um, it mm-hmm. looks like the uh, Iliophonic game is taking a much more reserved approach. Um, something more akin to like the Fortnite designs for the equipment. So not as detailed, obviously. Yeah, I mean, as... there's a few screen grabs. Yeah. Yeah. Which but is this sh- stuff will be fun to interpret. And, it and will. customize, you know, movie accurate packs with uh, with those add-ons and things. Yeah, and then uh, it also snuck in through news, I guess. This is kind of cool. Um, I think it's EctoCon over across the pond, as it were, went off and was apparently a big hit yes. with locals. So, like, super congratulations to them. Um, I I feel mm-hmm. like there's probably something like that is on the precipice of happening here. You know, forever and ever, we've had PKE search. We'll continue to have PKE search. I love, I love, I love PKE search. Uh, but I feel like now with a with a fifth movie, we're we're onto something that will be a little bit more significant than than people on rollerblades in a Sony parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Um, so I'm really stoked for those guys uh, and their successes there. But outside of that, you know, real prop news, um, little slim right now, which is okay. Uh, props always ebb and flow. Everything is kind of in a waiting period. Um, no new runs to, to really announce. No new super big projects to announce. Um, 
as far as, you know, something available to the community, but we're always looking. So if you, if you find news, you know, maybe something that we miss, something that's really significant to the Ghostbusters prop world, um, drop us a line. We're always happy to hear it. I know this one poor fellow on the workbench was like, I identified the Ghostbusters bellow. No, I'm sorry. Not this time. <laughs> Probably not next time. But, you know, yeah. we can't have part Somebody... identification that lucky to get a hat trick out of it, you know? Oh, my God. And there's so many false leads with that thing, too. Oh, how about, you know what? How about as far as prop news, that uh, that guy that popped up on eBay with all those R701s, vintage, correct, and gorgeous, yeah. and gorgeous. I told myself I wasn't going to buy any of them. I ended up buying two, and I'm glad that I did because one of them is actually going on my superhero build. These are like the most pristine copies of vintage OEM clippered valves I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I got three of them. Thanks to again, Matthew Swaim, who as soon as they went up, he messaged me. It was like, go, go, go. I was like, ah, panicking because I missed out on them last time. Yeah. So I snagged three of them and in hopes that I would get, you know, ones with bevels yep. on the knobs. And I got I got two out of three that have the right bevel, so I'm really happy about that. Um the the first vintage clippered valves I've ever laid my hands on. So welcome to the club. I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to be a member of the club and to uh run around and show everybody my new toys and they're like, okay, what? What's the difference? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm like, you don't understand. They have a bevel anyway. Well, and that was the, well, and it's, yeah, they have a bevel, but the labels are in phenomenal, phenomenal shape. Yeah, they're, I think I have one that has like one little defect in it where something's like kind of hit it and torn it back a little uh -huh. bit, but it's not ripped off, but I'm okay with that. That's just like weathering in me. Um, I, well, I've I've had a few where the, the labels can be, you know, they can be pretty mangled. I like to keep the original labels on there. Um, mm -hmm. Now, luckily, you know, if you're going with Max Factory labels or even the GB fans labels, uh, as far as quality goes, both labels are label sets are really on the same tier as far as their clipper labels. You know, they're, they're yeah. very exact, very they're made out of the same thin uh, foil paper. Um, and the measurements, of course, are are spot on. So they're easy to replace. But I, I like having the original labels on there. So when I got my two in and both, both clippered valves had the correct bevel and writing on, on the top of the head, I was just like, ah, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So yes, yeah. I'd really like to, to sit down with, you know, people that have vintage clippered valves and maybe somebody's already done this research to the same degree. I'm thinking, and they just haven't shared the information. I don't know, but I have a feeling there's way more tiny running changes on the clippered valves than we're really aware of. There probably are. I, I mean, the base is right. The, the, the logo on the base is correct. Mm -hmm. It's the right font. It's the right size. The, the bevel is beautiful. The stamping on the top is perfect, but the labels on mine are not accurate to the, 
the ones that are on the at least the stance pack. Oh no, because that that's what I mean. When I say they're not accurate, I mean to like freaks like you and me. Oh, they don't have the purple bluing going on. No, so the the thickness of like the diagram mm-hmm. and uh, like the numbers in the diagram, mine are thicker, and the spacing of the numbers is different from what's on the ones on the stance pack. Ah, shit! Time to throw it away. I, oh, ironically, <laughs> the the label on one of my more, more modern ones is more accurate in that aspect. But the fonts on the front with the Clippard logo and the laboratories and all that crap, that's more accurate on the vintage one. Damn it, Clippard. So I, I don't know how many times they've changed and revised those labels, but it's like, and it's a crazy, stupid, specific detail that like most people don't give a shit They're about. They're worse than Legree. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, so, uh, yeah. And it's almost probably it's probably almost impossible to to figure out probably when they were manufactured when the specific label was manufactured versus this one whatever but you know it is what it is and don't get me wrong i am thrilled to have these and they are going to go on my stance pack when i eventually build it but if i ever do happen to run across some with a more accurate label you know i'm going to swap them out oh yeah absolutely at least they're easy to swap yeah very very easy to swap well, uh, let's let's get moving forward because we are talking about wands today. So I, I I have this gut feeling that it might be a longer episode. I'm not sure yet. Let's talk about uh, you've earned it. Let's all around the community who's catching our eye. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. You remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped well, me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. You you've earned it, Austin. Yes. Who has caught your eye this week and you've earned it? And this is going to be of no surprise to you, I'm sure most anybody. Um, and it's ironic given what I just said about not wanting to pick highly accurate builds. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, ha- I I couldn't pass it up. Uh, Dave, Dave Annel? Uh, Annel? Yep. Mm-hmm. From Die Geister Jaeger? Mm-hmm. Working, working on a uh, a gunner seat for their like live capture thing that they have going on for their group at cons and stuff. And he just posted some pictures of just the weathering that he's doing, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Dave is absolutely gorgeous. Dave is on an entirely different level. Oh my god! For for real, I mean. Um, I am never not just floored by the kind of stuff that he's doing. And it's not even just a a volume of the projects that they produce. It's that level of quality. Yes. And I'm like, first of all, what do you do for a living? (laughs) I believe he's, (laughs) I believe he's some kind of a, an, an engineer. Um, but his, his, Builds. If he's not, he should be. Yeah, I mean, they did the the Ecto, uh, the Ecto five hundred from the the real Ghostbusters toy line. Mm-hmm. You know, they did a real life interpretation of that that go kart. You know, yeah, the which is the Ecto five hundred, um, the little moving Stay puffed the the mini puffed moving figurines that they now kind of scatter amongst their massive display 
And when I talk yeah. about like their convention display, I talk about, you know, I just talked about my little team's display being a, a, a backbreaking endeavor of labor and love. And it was, you know, two tables and an L formation, a little shelf of props. This yeah. guy has a full on Aldridge Manor haunted house that <laughs> lets it's, out it's, into the basement where you can practice trapping Slimer. <laughs> like what? Their their full setup is like twenty ten by ten booth spaces. It is. It's its own little convention. It's crazy, and like I mean, it's a whole crew of people that have to put that together and yeah. i'm like where are those people around here have you ever watched his slimer capture activity oh yeah to the, oh yeah like it's laser activated with a trap it interacts with the shelving that is around yeah. it so like slimer knocks stuff over i'm just like dude <laughs> you're making us look like we're nothing but amateurs comparatively yeah, speaking well and that's why even just this, it's no, it's nowhere near completed. It's just, it was just like the cyclotron piece, mm-hmm. and he had a paint sample on it. And he was, you know, weathering it and stuff. But just the, just knowing what's coming from him, mm-hmm. it, it got me so giddy and excited. It's like I don't care that it's just this one piece; it's not finished. I, I can already imagine what it's going to look like finished, and it's going to blow those expectations out of the water. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I am, I am so, so ready to see, you know, what they pull off with that whole gunner seat situation. It's going to be amazing. I I mean, yeah, it it is going to be amazing. It's, it's absolutely going to be amazing. Um, their Vigo painting even stretches from what I recall. Yep. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they figure out how to make Vigo step out of the painting and and kidnap children you know <laughs> somehow somehow they're gonna figure it out they'll get there uh so mine is is i think is equally impressive and i think this is actually kind of cool because it is not a ghostbusters specific replica but it is a ghostbuster specific replica and this comes from um martin martin bryce over at shapeforge props has recently done runs of a replica of what is, I guess, now being called the uh, the Proton Attenuator, which was originally built by Adam Savage for his most recent personal Proton Pack. Yeah. And Martin has been doing replicas of those. So that's why I say I don't know if it's, it is Ghostbusters or it isn't, because it's it's a really stunning replica of something that is essentially fan built. Yeah. But it's Adam Savage built. So it's got a little bit more legitimacy, even though it never appears on film, it's never featured in film or anything like that. But Martin did a really awesome job. I thought they were super cool. Um and the the people that have received him have been big fans. It's a fun little detail. To, to add on to your proton pack strap, you know, it fits in. We talk about it a lot, the aesthetic of Ghostbusters. Um, mm. And it's just a cool little doodad. And and I just wanted to give that a shout out, you know? Yeah, I saw um, a couple of posts by people that had gotten them in. And yeah, I mean, it's spot on. It's such a cool little 
like you said, a cool little doodad. I think even like Adam said in his original video that he wanted something visual for the front. Right. You know, uh, some little blinky lights or something for the front. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, I could totally see that being something that was in the video game or in the comics or, you know, even in the movie at mm-hmm. some point, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's cool that, you know, it's being offered to people because, um, you know, we've seen that a lot in the community where some fan made, you know, add on or something gets a little traction in the community and other people start replicating it and adding it to their own setups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, it's a cool piece. I, I really enjoy seeing that kind of stuff, um, especially when it's really well done. Yeah. So uh, to Martin and Dave, you guys, you've earned a great job on your builds. Of course, you know, um, they're both great builders, so uh, we should definitely definitely look for some new faces, I think, for next show. Um, but those are what, what struck us. So Yeah, and that's the great thing is that, you know, I just got through saying oh, I don't wanna I don't wanna pick really highly accurate builds, but sometimes you just can't help it. because uh, there's a lot of them out there and but there's you know, there's so many cool things that people are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um it's an you know, we could do a whole show just on cool stuff people are building one whole episode so you know we got to spread it out a little bit absolutely well let's uh let's get into our workbench see what's going on see and what's new what is that thing you're doing it's technical it's one of our little toys the proton pack is not a toy i guess it's right austin i can't manage the energy to shout at you today what's on your workbench okay (laughs) <laughs> I finished my I finished my stunt trap. Oh my god! Then I already have to go back and change it, but that's okay. Listen, you know what really excites me about your stunt trap is I'm excited to see how your trap and my trap are different. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked you finished yours. It's a gorgeous piece. It's it's beautiful. Thank um, you. an absolute labor of love. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's not 100% finished. I do intend to put static lights in it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, I just wanted to get it finished in terms of like a display piece. Um, and at some point, I'm probably going to put some kind of a smoking mechanism in it. I don't know if I'm going to do, you know, one of the e-cig kits or if I'm just going to light a smoke grenade and stick in it like, like old school me used to do. <laughs> Have you, Definitely not going to go. To, I'm not going the chemical route. That's well, for sure. Here's a question for you: Have you ever thought about replicating the chemical strips, but not actually putting them on there? Yes, I was actually just thinking about that last night uh, about figuring out how I could lay the strips and kind of temporarily secure them, mm-hmm. but having little small pieces of vinyl tubing feed up underneath them that would be cool for for like an e-cig kit or something so that the smoke would actually come out of the strips that would be pretty incredible i think but i need somebody who's way smarter than me to figure that out for because i i know nothing about electronics so So that's not going to be me (laughs) no um i got i got a couple of buddies i'm going to hit up about it though there you go so a few more questions then about about this so you have the the doors on there Mm-hmm. underneath your doors is that just another solid rectangle of material or do you have it hollowed out or, or no what? the whole cartridge section is hollow because 
originally in its original configuration that the cartridge was removable and it was hollow so that we could put you know smoke grenades and stuff in there to make it smoke um and i thought about just sealing it up and i was like no i want to keep it hollow because i do want to put some kind of mechanism in there at some point and i don't know how much room i'm going to need so i'm just going to leave it as is Mm -hmm. um the doors are secured with little earth magnets um, they're not the most secure thing. They will pop off pretty easily if, you know, it gets jostled too hard or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's the best thing I can think of to still make the doors removable, but stay on well enough, you know, when you're running around with a... Well, at least a, at least the doors are just the door. Mm-hmm. Um, which would kind of inevitably make that so one of the reasons i ask is i've been trying to put together in my head how the assembly is going to go on my version of it um and one of the things i've thought about is actually drilling holes in channels um so you have the the top level of the cartridge then you have that spacer um that the door then rests on and actually Mm -hmm. drilling holes into the edge of the spacer and into the cartridge so that it would have cavities there that smoke would be able to then come out from behind the doors. And then like you already have in yours, putting magnets in along that Ridge uh, Mm -hmm. for, for interior access. I, I I haven't quite, I guess, gotten there yet, but. um, Well, I actually did do that originally. mm -hmm. um, The first time the trap was built and uh, those little channels didn't work so well, Really, but, that was using you know smoke grenades and stuff um if i'm sure if you ran little pieces of of tubing and that's what i was thinking is is tubing on a pressurized e-sig device so that the smoke doesn't have any place else to go it is channeled through hoses into those channels it has to come out from the sides of those doors yeah um yeah i mean i don't see why that wouldn't work yeah it'll it'll definitely be something to to explore and find a good e e-cig kit for that i know there's so many options even outside of the ghostbusters community now you know um smoking props is just fun Mm -hmm. and you know there's all kinds of like little mini fog machines Mm -hmm. you can buy now that you know we would have killed for 10 years ago oh gotcha or they were around they were just you know 800 dollars. yeah i mean 10 years ago we were still talking about putting dry ice yeah and and like you said smoke bombs (laughs) into our props Mm -hmm. Um, almost killing ourselves with chemical smoke that was God knows how old. <laughs> How's that Phoebe pack coming along? Um, it's kind of sat dormant right now because I'm again at a, a point where I'm waiting to have stuff welded and mm. I can't really move on until those parts are welded. So, but I got all the holes and stuff drilled for all the screws on the clipper disc. Um, I guess one thing I could do, I guess I've just been putting it off because I'm dreading it, but I need to uh, install the, the light switch in the ion arm, mm. which I've got to I've got to actually cut the opening for in the ion arm itself and figure out how to shove all that in there. But your ion arm, be fun. but the ion arm is aluminum on yours. Yes. So it should be a lot easier, I think, than than, say, on the gearbox. Yeah, I mean, I can take it off. The problem is, I've already welded it to the booster tube, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't think about that when 
I was doing all that, but let's say you have a big old tube in your face while you're while you're cutting. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's going to be a situation where it's way easier than I'm anticipating. But Matt Burkett says no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. we'll see though. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, awesome. It sounds like you have a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I'm. You know that uh, tinkering, doing a little bit of cutting here on the IDW wand. Um, I think I talked about it last show and using the Playmobil thing to to create my um, flashlight cone that will go under the grills for the IDW wand. But, you know, the past week has been more of a break. I've just had terrible weather, Um, terrible weather, gray skies, and just been exhausted from work. So it it always uh, it always kind of sucks to have the life (laughs) taken out of you for for that you know, for any kind of building, because uh, I'm limited by the space that I can work in. And um, I love being able to kind of set up on either, you know, just in front of our house or maybe on our back patio to do some painting, but I, that is not available to me right now. And um, it is what it is. So lots of just waiting on parts, waiting on that send cut, send um, order still. That should be here, I think, this week. Um, either tomorrow or Wednesday, so that that would be the 17th or 18th of May. Since we are layering out our releases now, so it's not always completely up to date with what we're talking about. But you know, a lot a lot of the same, not a lot of new. But I'm glad you were yeah. able to finish that that stunt trap because man, it's beautiful. Thank you. Really I uh, I don't normally kind of sit back and go i i like that thing i made but i like i like my trap it's fun it looks good for the most part you know there's always going to be things that i see that nobody else is going to notice but well um, we're definitely going to have to make sure we revisit the stunt traps once mine is finished yes so we can argue about details that we may or may not have seen yes uh and just it's crazy that we know we had our ghost trap episode and i I know more about those props now after recording that episode than when we did. And I'm like, we we're going to have to revisit them at some point. I would love to, um, I would love to get, uh, Doug solo on for the ghost traps. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, when we were talking about the ghost traps, I had some ideal guests, uh, for that, that I really, really wanted to go on because wanted to have them come on to the show because they simply know more about ghost traps than, than I feel I do. Um, oh yeah, there's there's always somebody that's, you know, quietly an expert doesn't really advertise it, but like you know they're sitting at their computer and and they get to do all this fun research and you know uh, I'm uh I, you okay yeah speaking of experts get, <laughs> so I guess my uh our arm pulling worked and Stuart Thompson has now agreed to come onto the show. Oh yeah yeah all right so we gotta we gotta find a a good topic for him. Um, okay. And, you know, we have our next episode uh, finishing and then do's and don'ts coming up. And either one of those, I think could be a lot of fun to have him on there. And then of course, um, what was originally episode 20, I think would be episode 21 sets. Um, mm-hmm. I know there is a major league Ghostbusters collector who has offered to come on um, who actually has a good amount of insight into sets and has been collecting 
uh, Ghostbusters props for a long, long time, which I would love to have on. I'm not going to drop names right now, but to, you know, build up a little anticipation, you know? I think I know who you're talking about, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it. We're at 36 minutes, man. Let's, uh, let's get into the bulk of this conversation. We're talking about proton wands today, which I think a lot of people have probably been looking forward to. Um, so let's go ahead and hit that sound cue. Listen, you smell something. There's something very important. I forgot to tell you what I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? All right. Welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast with your host, Dan Harshman and Austin Young. Again, guys, we release every Tuesday morning. You can catch us through our RSS feed or on Spotify Music or on Apple Podcasts, as well as I believe we automatically get shifted out to some other podcast platforms as well. At least that's what my analytics are telling me. I don't want to, you know, misquote or misrepresent or anything like that. And then following Fridays, when Austin's computer is feeling like it, uh, we get those episodes <laughs> uploaded on to youtube you can always join the conversation over at spangler's 1984 workbench and give us a like on facebook instagram and the twitter uh today is going to be session 16 proton wands of our series on kind of building a proton pack 101 and um austin you are you've always been a a build it yourself guy I'm more of a kit guy, um, and I would love to be a build-it-myself guy, but I've always had that limitation of of um, workshop space. Now, that, that I could say easily could be a crutch. I could get into cutting styrene in, in mm-hmm. what I have available to me, but I don't think I could cut aluminum. <laughs> I mean, you could. It, it would just be a, a huge pain in the ass. Set the couch on fire, sure, yeah. Yeah, but you hey, you would have cut the aluminum. I would. I would have cut aluminum and no couch or wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about you know available kits out there. For one, um, I think there is a easy, easy go to number one proton thrower kit in the community. Um, throwing throwing chicken, throwing right? chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, throwing chicken. I mean, he's on his, I think, Mark four at this point. Mm-hmm. He sells through his Etsy store. Um, it is a all resin thrower kit. And he has been perfecting, modifying, refining um, not only the actual build process for his thrower, but the, the final you know, the final piece for a very, very long time. And his throwers on Etsy go for $210. And they feature um, aluminum front and back handles. They now feature a pop mechanism. Yeah. Um, And that's a pop mechanism specifically for his resin thrower. So it's it's not like a pop mechanism that would be necessarily screen accurate, whatever the hell that means, because you never actually see the pop mechanism <laughs> on screen. It's prop, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't be prop accurate, I guess is the phrase I'd be looking for. 
Um, but it comes with, you know, the hose that you would need, front and back handle, um, replica castings of all the knobs you need, gun track, um, clippered valve, everything you need, $210 right out of the box. You supply paint and assembly and the electronics. Gun hook? Uh, no gun hook. Thank you. Yeah, no yeah. gun hook on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some people probably hear that price point and kind of cringe like oh that's so much money but like i don't think people really understand that the thrower itself is an entirely separate prop from the pack it is i know they go together but they are two completely different animals and i think people should kind of understand that when you start investing and in making a proton pack you're really making two props mm-hmm you're making the pack and you're making the wand. Um, you know, used to, I used to try to build them kind of in tandem. I would work on the pack a little bit and I work on the wand. And now I've gotten to a point where it's like, I do the pack, I get that out of the way. And then I just, I move on to the wand as a whole separate project. And so like the pack, there are so many little parts and pieces and screws and, you know, all sorts of stuff that you need that you don't really think about you know, uh, initially. Mm-hmm. And so to have a kit that has everything, you know, minus one or two pieces and it's only 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, so much of the hard work is already done for you in that kit too. It is. Um, and it, I think it's also worth noting that throwing chicken products come out exceptionally clean. Yes. I mean, you could just about throw some primer and paint on them, like right out of the box, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think who else. You know, way back in the day, it would have been. You know, there would have been a few vendors: Multimedia Mayhem, Nicotron, um, mm-hmm. offering out wands. It's a little more limited these days. You know, um, these days we're looking at kind of the same people that offer shells outside of throwing chicken because throwing chicken only does uh he does two types of ghost traps and his thrower um which are all excellent excellent you know kits um as far as the thrower i know ben of kent offers a 3d printed thrower kit for 127.75 and it has all the same things that the throwing chicken has except it's 3d printed yeah um, and I, I gotta be honest, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of its assembly style. I don't know that I'm even really familiar with it. I, I know I've seen some photos of it, but I'm not sure exactly the, the build process behind it. I mean, I'm, and I know it's a fine kit. It's, it's 3d printed for, for this particular kit. He also offers, I believe, a polyurethane kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more assembly to it. Uh, the throwing chicken kit has, uh, I guess it's a lot more refined. I mean, in, in throwing chickens defense, he's had a lot more time to refine his designs. Uh, the Ben of Kent one is very much, Hey, these files were 3d printed here. They are figure out the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that's what, and that's what I mean when I say like a lot of the hard work is already done for you with the throwing chicken kit, because yeah. you know, part of the price you're paying is the fact that he's already 
installed you know the collars and and all the inner tubes and everything into the the gun body itself like they're cast into it yeah yeah and you know versus having to figure all that figure that out yourself cut 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 pipe to length install it glue it in all that stuff like it's almost plug and play at, at this point with the throwing chicken kit paint and I mean, play paint and play yeah i yeah. mean it's it's do the the rear handle doesn't come installed, right? You no. still have to glue that in. No. So the let me let me get back over to the throwing chicken kit. I'm looking at it. Um. So the the front handle it's, it's the craziest thing because you look at it and it's almost like there's a skeleton of the front handle. Um. Mm-hmm. But his front handle is is the front collar, the gun ears, the lock, and the grip all cast as one piece Mm -hmm. so you literally slide the aluminum tube into that and bolt everything together and then bolt it into the gun body and then the rear handle you just bolt in the the rear handle and put the gun grip on there um you know it's very very user-friendly very um his his trigger box the instrument bar is already cast in, so when you add the trigger box, it's got a really nice um, template piece that that fits in. So everything fits in very, very nice, very smoothly. Um, it's not really going to shift or anything on you. It's going to fit together very nicely. Um, and the the gun body for the Ben of Kent one has something very similar, um, but it's not as elegantly engineered i should say yeah um and then we have proton props who are offering their wonderful proton pack kits um and let's see i know they have spacers i'm exploring their website right now they have so much good stuff they heat up batteries labels oh man i know i know those are such good kits all right, so they don't have anything individual for for throwers at this time, which I'm a little surprised about. They have all this other great stuff, but not individual thrower kits. I'm sure it's probably in the pipeline at some point. Probably. We have the DIY nuclear accelerator kit. There's no throwers. There's no throwers on there. Womp womp. Womp womp. Um, that's okay though yeah um and then of course you know those are kind of the the what is commercially available right now um and then 3d printing is always a fantastic option as always i would i would highly push the q files for something like that Um, for sure you know what though shapeforge i think offers one Shapeforge props. Let me see. Well, the nice thing about the 3D printed ones is that, you know, all your components are separated out. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, makes cleanup a lot easier, um, especially the main body. So Shapeforge doesn't offer just, it's an independent thrower. They have uh, a real Ghostbusters thrower and then a Ghostbusters, the video game thrower. Um, And the Ghostbusters, the video game thrower is, is... $249 um, and then the 
RGB throwers, 172. I mentioned them even though it's not, you know, the the first or second movie is how clean their printing lines come out. Their their mm-hmm. their print process, their printer is really really dialed in as far as 3D prints go. Um, you know, Martin is kind of the first guy that really sold me on 3D printing being a viable process for building props after I built or after I bought his real Ghostbusters kit uh, for the Proton Pack, which I'm I'm still looking forward to finishing. Um, and then, of course, seeing all the things from the the Q files and and their raw, and seeing if you can dial in your printer, you can really print out some some very very excellent excellent props. And I know that there is a polyurethane option from Ben of Kent, but again, <laughs> I think this is the same thing that other people have mentioned before is that uh, sometimes navigating Ben's Etsy page is a little overwhelming. I think like 7,000 listings. Yeah, (laughs) it's... uh, You see, does it tell me how many listings there are? 609. That's impressive. That's a lot of listings. It's 609 listings. And I know what they've done. What they've done is fantastic for consumers in which Mm -hmm. somebody comes to him, they ask for a specific combination of things. And if that specific combination of things is unique from what anybody else has ever ordered ever, he puts it together as an Etsy listing. So then they would be able to just go and purchase it, which is incredibly consumer friendly, very customer friendly, but a pain in the ass looking through his <laughs> um, Etsy store and trying to find what he's offering as, as core kits because he just can't, <laughs> he can't get a yeah. good price point on, on what it is. We found the 3d one and um, I'm like trying to go through. It's like, here's 84% sized wands. And uh, oh, here's one. If you want two wands, because he gives a nice <laughs> discount. Oh, here we go. Wand kit. I think this is it. Here it is. Okay, so this is... I want to learn more about this item. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like this is a polyurethane kit. So it's not his 3D printed kit. This is the polyurethane casting, metal front and back handles. The assembly, though, is very, very similar to his 3D printed. It just looks like what you're actually getting is uh much cleaner and it's uh $160.50 um but okay. it does come with you know knobs, greeblies, heat sink, uh labels, tubes, uh replica clippered valve, those kinds of things all cast in uh that that off-white polyurethane resin or plastic or whatnot that he's using. I've seen the interior of those wands and it gives me hardcore multimedia mayhem flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know back in the day I had done a uh, a mold of one of our gun buddies that we had put together, uh, scratch build, and we just, like, we didn't have, like, an internal plug so that you made sure that, like, the wall thickness was consistent and mm-hmm. everything was, like, nice and clean. I just 
laid fiberglass cloth and resin down in there. I mean, it is horrible. It's so, <laughs> I mean, it's what I imagine the inside of a, of a semi-hero thrower probably looks like if you took all the electronics out and you could see yeah. the wand body. Um, it, and but the, it got the job done, you know, I mean, and there was plenty of space in there. It's just, it's not nice it, and pretty. That's the thing. And that's why I mentioned that. So like, if you were going to do the Ben of Kent, you know, polyurethane wand, I wouldn't look at much more than a very simple electronics setup for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you could do a lot of grinding and fandangling and probably get a uh, third party pop mech installed in there. Um, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I would, I would go for the proprietary pop mech on throwing chicken as it's, yeah. it's already designed for his wand and throwing chicken has been able to get his castings to a point where he's got a good balance of structural and tag as well as space. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be an aluminum wand though. No. And I mean, you know, you even if you scratch build one from styrene, you know, you're again you're gonna have plenty of space, but you're never gonna have the same structural integrity as an aluminum one. Well, even with a styrene scratch build, you know, the problem that you're gonna hit there is you still have to put in mounting points and you're not gonna get the grip, so you know, you'll you'll probably wanna put in um, you know, thread rivets and stuff like that, so all the accessories can bolt on there. Yeah. Um with an aluminum wand, of course. Now where where could I get an aluminum wand? <laughs> I don't know. Tell us everybody. Um Good luck. So, so the purported sources are are going to be um freaky geeky. Um I'm not sure if he's taking on more work. I can't get a good tab. I know I have orders in with him, but I don't mm-hmm. know if he's taking more orders. And then of course heavy props. Um CPU 63. 64. 64, thank you. And then Heimdall's Armory. Um, Heimdall's Armory, I'm very excited about his Ghost Trap build. You know, he's shown a lot more on his Ghost Trap build that has impressed me. Uh, His aluminum throwers, though, I'm not sure if it's just because it was a prototype that he was showing off, but I felt like the the, the final package build for his aluminum thrower that he was showing was 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 just off. Um, I I I want to say I remember at one point he was doing him out of steel instead of aluminum initially. It might have been an initial um, thing. I think he's changed I, that though. Okay, because I I know you said the trap kits are aluminum. They are. Um, and so I thought maybe it was just a, you know well he doesn't have a a welder that can do aluminum, but he may have invested in one. And, he switched over, but I remember the the steel ones, you know, and yeah, they look fine. I mean, you know, for a metal wand, if you don't care about like you know high end screen accuracy or whatever, perfectly, perfectly fine, perfectly usable. Um, but you know, it's not going to be a like a freaky geeky or a heavy props or anything like that. Um, no. And if I remember right, I don't think the front handle. I think it was just a w- one solid piece of tubing that was welded. It didn't have the collar, and it didn't, you see, you wouldn't be able to rotate the handle. I think that's a, what a was throwing me off. Yeah, I, I think it was the front handle that was throwing me off. That wasn't quite right because there's a lot more detail into that front handle 
um, mm-hmm. than when you initially look at it, but he might be refining it. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I know Heimdall's armory right now has been waiting on parts. He's been super communicative with me. Um, you know, I go in, I kind of ask for an update about every two or three weeks. Um, but he's also been posting pretty regular, regular updates. Um, I believe he's supposed to get more of his metal stock in this week. So uh, he said he's kind of back to, to fabrication, which which is exciting. Um, but for, for aluminum throwers, you're looking at $700 plus. Yeah. Depending it's... on options and, and what pieces and stuff you're getting. Um, so then comes the, well... If you're piecemealing it, where where are you going? And there's actually two places that are great for additional greeblies for the throwers, which is going to be um, Max Factory, mm-hmm. and of course then GBFans.com. Yes, uh, and G- I know Max Factory is intending to release full aluminum kits at some point. They are, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a, a, a huge inventory, a huge catalog that, that Max Factory is currently working on. Um, and, you know, Aaron Mack has a, a pretty good production line. You know, he's got full-on factories and stuff at his disposal. So he's getting there. Um, it's just, these are strange parts. You know, a lot of people I don't think recognize that even for the 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 bigger sellers that are getting more of a commercial run out of their product that is still a unique thing. It still has to be tooled. Molds still have to be made. Um, mm-hmm. You know, factory space still has to be found and these things still have to be manufactured and sent out. AJ, of course, um, is great. You can follow a lot of the things he talks about on the workbench in which he talks about that process a lot. And it's a fascinating inlook, you know, from his getting the goggles made to getting some of his knobs, uh, the injection molded um, replica knobs for the ghost traps for, for the, the crank knobs, everything like that. Um, The the process behind it and how much time it really, really does take, man, people just don't realize how much work is happening so that you can have a little knob that you screw onto your thrower. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, they they really it's, don't. Yeah. I'm like, cut these guys some breaks. I, I see it all the time. It's like, GB fan still hasn't shipped. I'm like, well, you know, it's one dude basically doing the work of, you know, an entire toy company. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with Max Factory. It's like, have there been any updates? I'm like, well, yeah, you know, legacy parts are are coming in at a, at a pretty decent pace of like a part every three or four months. And they're like, Oh, that's too slow. And that's, that's incorrect. Well, that's on you, buddy. <laughs> that's on you. That's, like that's, that's a, that's, that's a good pace. That's a good, yeah. good pace. That's, you know, I'm happy with that. But, um, GB fans. Yeah. We're not, no, you know, these sellers, they're not Amazon. They're no. not, they're not Walmart. They may have a nice fancy, uh, website, that you can order from, but that doesn't mean that they're, you know, a whole army of people no. trying to get these orders out. Um, but I know Max Factory is the only, the only part that both stores are actually missing is the, what used to be considered the small knob, but we would now call the green lever collar. 
Yeah, and I, I don't really know why. That's such a weird piece. Like it, it's it's the simplest of all the knobs. Why does nobody ever stock them? Well, I think Mac is to is preparing to have that part included in his pop mechanism. But there's still a lot of people that don't install a pop mechanism that there just is. need the knob. And I would yeah, agree. So. And you can find them on eBay. Uh, there's actually a seller um, who's been in the community for a long time. His name is TJ. Um, mm-hmm. And he makes pretty good knobs. And he'll release small batches onto eBay every once in a while. So if you keep your eye out there... He sells them for like 10 or 15 bucks. You know, it's it's not, you know, bank breaking or anything like that. Uh, but they are screen accurate. They have the the double, um, you know, hex screws in there. They're small, mm-hmm. uh, easily lost, which is probably why I've had to order from him a few times on the same part. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and and there was a guy on Facebook that was offering up a bunch too. Like, I don't know if he had them like CNC'd somewhere, if he did them all himself, but he, he was posting pictures of just like piles of them. Yeah. And he was selling them for like 10 bucks a piece and he'd make a post like every other week, you know, still got these available. I cannot remember who it was, but oh, man, I'm sure if you go to those. any of the, if you go to any of the groups and search, I'm sure that that post will pop up. It'll pop up. Um, so that's, those are kind of the good sources. I mean, GB fans also offers their fantastic V hooks. We touched on the V hooks um, offered yeah. by GB fans, but they also have uh, gun tracks and full CNC aluminum and aluminum knobs and uh, which are all really good detail fillers. If you're not going with a full aluminum thrower, um, the biggest things I can say, if, if you want a thrower that feels amazing in your hands add as many aluminum parts as possible and mm-hmm. change the front and back handles for aluminum tube as soon yeah. as possible um yeah i mean the thing that is always i mean I, I guess i understand why people don't do it um but i've always wondered why nobody's come out with like a resin just a gun body just the main body that's not cold cast with resin or aluminum powder in the resin I don't know. Um, I mean, I understand it's an extra step. It's an extra cost. Maybe it's just not, you know, feasible for a lot of, you know, independent makers and stuff. But I I feel like that's one of the things that could really take a resin kit just to the next level. That way, you know, if the paint does scratch, you're going to have some silver showing through. It's not Mm going to be perfect match for real aluminum, but it's going to be better than you know, paint that can still rub off. That would be something fun to reach out to throwing chicken about seeing if he could, you know, if, if you paid a little bit more, if he could do that. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's something that I don't know if it changes the dynamics of actually casting that resin or not. I mean, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I've done it a little bit of it myself and, you know, really all you have to do is you have to dust your mold with the aluminum powder. Mm-hmm. And then you can add it into the resin. I think really technically you're supposed to add it to the resin as well. Mm-hmm. I've always had issues with it making the resin so thick that a lot of the stuff that I do that I cold cast, it's, you know, little detail parts. So it's got all these little tiny nooks and crannies and the thicker your resin is, you know, it's harder to get in there. And even with a pressure pot, I've had issues with it, but, mm-hmm. um, but you also, you do have to cast with black resin when you do cold casting. Okay. So, 
So let's talk about the throws themselves. Uh, details that I think people get wrong <laughs> uh, is that that rear green hose. And they had like, I swear to God, the, the builders like make that hose longer every year. Right. There's part of me that wonders, do they stick it on and then not realize that they need a little piece of it for the lever? You know what I mean? Like, because usually when you buy a kit, a hose kit from somebody or whatever, you know, it comes with enough green hose for the lever, the little bit that goes in the the pop Mac lever. And of course, uh, the rear cylinder and the instrument bar. And I feel like some people just don't realize that you need it for the lever don't think about it initially and they get too excited and they stick that hose on there and it's, you know, four feet long. <laughs> it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, uh, I, I still like how Matt says it. He says, don't look at it as a loop. Look at it as a small triangle. Yeah. Cause they're, they're a lot tighter on the screen used than yeah. I think people really realize. But I, I look at some of them and like, I keep thinking one day I'm going to start seeing uh rear cylinder hoses that are like, like coming out and like circling the dude's elbow and then going back onto the thrower because it's, See, just it's ha- getting bigger. <laughs> it's actually a lanyard to put your hand through so that if you let go of the thrower, it doesn't fall. I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah, you could do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a or that... it's it's a sling. It's a shoulder sling. Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's <laughs> it, you put it around your neck so your thrower is yeah. always there. It's yeah. like a yeah, a lanyard or sling, safety sling. It's like uh yeah. what is it? The the little uh like bungee cords that police officers would have on their on their little thirty eight. Yeah, those like little tactical swings or so swings. people couldn't slings. So people can't steal their their thrower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that, that would make sense to me. That's just that's one of those little things that always irks me. I guess maybe people really like the kind of that stylistic flourish um mm-hmm. but even like you know they end up adding a an absurd amount of material onto the the front hose as well and uh you know you don't oh the the red yeah on the, on the banjos yeah it's like you don't need that much it's not a whole spool of <laughs> of hose work like you be a little modest with it um well and and to be fair, I think a lot of people that are, you know, maybe it's their first pack they're built or whatever, they don't necessarily think or realize that you're getting, you know, extra material. You're not getting exact lengths. Right. That, you know. That's um, fair. And, and they get excited and they're just ready to put it together. I mean, you know? I got um, I get excited. I, I love, I, I definitely always 100% of the time jump the gun and start adding hose, like before my paint is even done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like always, it's like once those hoses get on there, you're like, oh, okay, this is a, this is looking like a, a thing now. Like it looks like it does something. Oh, I should also say, you know, uh, Ghostbuster fans offers the the resin heat sinks or not resin, the aluminum heat sinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like what twenty twenty five bucks. Yeah, so pretty pretty affordable. But the more we- I don't know why you would. You wouldn't ever go with a resin heat sink after the fact that those are available. Um, for a semi-hero thrower, I would go with a resin heat sink. Well, yeah, of course, but for if even if you've got a resin gun body, 
like it doesn't throwing chickens kit has the heat sink cast into it right i believe it does yeah that's the one modification i would make is i would just sand that bad boy right off and stick it is, it a little that's a on. hard modification to do on his kits too is it it is because like i said he's found that balance of thin walling his resin so that you can fit everything inside um okay. so when you're sanding it down you have to be pretty ginger with it um, you know, I'd recommend like during the sanding process of having something inside the thrower to take some of that impact away as well, because it is okay. really, really easy to over sand on his on his gun bodies, you know, but part of it is because it comes so already well finished. There's yeah. not a lot of sanding that that you're going to be doing. It's not like his trap kits. His trap kits have really nice thick wall, you know, resin. So if you decide that you get his his uh, semi-hero trap kit and you don't want any of the side plates on there, you can sand those bad boys off mm-hmm. and still have plenty of material there. Um, but with his gun bodies, they're, they're engineered very, very precisely. So you have to be okay. careful if you're going to be removing that heat sink. Um, well, and I would say, too, if you are going to sand it off and put the aluminum on uh, aluminum one on there you definitely want to have some kind of a plate like a piece of styrene or something behind it mm-hmm. inside the gun body to reinforce agreed because uh, if if you know you do knock that heat sink or whatever you know it could just crack the sidewall it could it, it could shatter that entire wall because there's there's nothing there um you know it's it's almost even worthwhile to to i'd say back up a throwing chicken if you can fit it with a sheet of of uh fiberglass resin yeah you know maybe not layer it as heavy as you would on the inside of a a shell um but maybe just a layer of fiberglass mat just to give a little bit more strength but again you know with with anything outside of aluminum the the more strength you add means the less space you'll have on the inside of that thrower yeah, I mean, no matter what you do, it's going to be fragile somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's going to take damage somewhere. It's going to crack yes. somewhere eventually. It's just inevitable. And even aluminum throwers take damage, but they don't take damage the same way that 100% other throwers do. Um, yeah. I've seen front handles get bent from being dropped, mm-hmm. and I've seen acrylic tubes get uh, pretty, pretty harshly damaged. Um but that's one of the other things, you know, your prop is, if you're, if you're building a proton pack for wear, and, and I hope a lot of our listeners are, because that means they're doing the full thing, you know, whole costume, going out, having fun with their props and, and costumes, they are going to get damaged. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just, it's inevitable and it's. I know there are some people that, you know, they spend all this time building it and they're like, well, I'm, af- I'm too afraid to take it out. I'm like, you know, it's not going to hurt it to get a few dents and dings and scratches anyway. It gives it some character, adds to the realism of it, you know. And I think a lot but, of people that. But be aware that your thrower might shatter into four pieces. Yes. If you go out on yeah. Halloween night. <laughs> or somebody will grab your ion arm and snap it off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of people that that's like they're afraid to take them out because they're afraid something's going to break. 
mm-hmm. that they're going to have to redo something. But that's just part of it. And I think, I think, you know, learning to adapt and to, to make those repairs and you know what, having to redo things sometimes or start over just makes you a better builder. Absolutely. And it gives you a chance to explore more of the, of what the community has to offer mm-hmm. um, okay. and see what the most updated kits are, which I always, I always think is a lot of fun. And of course, then, you know, a lot of our uh, community right now are doing Hasbro wands or Mattel. Yeah. Wands. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we should talk about those. If, if you got to make a choice, if you got to have a pre-built toy thrower, go with the Hasbro wand. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mattel wand is made of a lot less plastic. It is it is uh, not as hardy as, not even close as hardy as the Hasbro thrower. Yeah, and not to mention the price tag that one's going to cost you. For what you can buy a Mattel wand for, you're almost able to buy an aluminum kit yeah because it's if you can find one yeah it's now officially a collector's piece and that's going to happen that's going to happen with the hasbro one that's why i always get kind of you know i i like seeing the ingenuity i would love to mod a hasbro one one of the things that we allowed into the workbench was aj did a demo of his aluminum parts on a hasbro wand normally Mm -hmm. we wouldn't allow something like that but it was still cool to see um, how yeah. close they actually have dimensionally the the Hasbro Spangler wand to accept actual aluminum pieces with very little modification. So you can get a really, really great looking thrower out of it um, just out of the box. But it's one of those things you, you can you can make it even cooler by doing, you know, paint effects or even part swaps on it. So there is a, a modular aspect to the Hasbro thrower that's not present on the Mattel one, but the the reality is, is that end of the day, just like the Mattel thrower, the Hasbro thrower is going to become a collector's piece. Yeah. And even more so, I think because of the fact that there's so many people buying them to mod, to repaint at the very least repaint. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or do a grip swap, you know, for a classic 84, mm-hmm. 89 grip. And so there's less and less and less of them in an original, you know, factory condition mm-hmm. or sealed that is o- eventually it's only going to drive the price up of the, you know, the untouched pristine ones. And I totally see that happening on an even larger scale with the HasLab pack. Oh, yeah. So many people are buying those specifically to modify that there's there's barely going to be any that are just like pristine, untouched you know, straight from the factory. I am so excited to get my HasLab pack and then do absolutely fucking nothing with it. Just play with it. Yeah, I'll play with it. It's going to be a display piece. <laughs> it's it, 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 the, the HasLab pack is actually why I don't have much of a desire to build a Phoebe pack. I know it's not 100%. I know it's a toy. I know it's, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of things on it that I'm not going to like as, as being OCD. But I like mm-hmm. the fact that at least it fills that that uh, void, so yeah. I can focus on other kind of cooler builds. Yeah. Um. Not saying that you know <laughs> Taco Belly's Phoebe Pack or your Phoebe Pack or Mikhail's aren't cool. They absolutely 100 percent are. Um, but it's not something that I want to ma- uh, mod a Hasbro 
collector's piece, especially yeah. knowing that eventually those things are going to be in in the four or five thousand dollar range. I mean, hell, you're you're looking at something that down the line could could reach six or seven thousand dollars with a with a a virgin Hasbro thrower to go with it. It's like totally sealed, untouched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, even the secondary market is already in the thousands of dollars just for that pack. Oh God. I see. I've never even checked. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's the thing I always talk about with, uh, with has labs is the moment that the has labs, um, campaign closes, whatever that item was has now immediately doubled in value. So that pack closed at, at $400 per pack and immediately was now $800. And uh, and just goes up, which which is great for for you know collectors. But I I can't stress enough for our wonderful building community out there to maybe leave the toy alone. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I know that if I bought one and I modified it, and then I saw you know five six seven years later they were going for a thousand two thousand dollars, I'd be like, why did I do that? Yeah. Why didn't I just you know but i mean it's the same with anything else if, if that's what makes you happy and that's what you want to do it's true. i mean it's it's your thing do what you want to it with is your it, you thing know? it is your thing uh but don't be upset when that plastic snaps and there's no way to repair it yeah or you know if you if you want to go with the hasla or the uh, the hasbro wand buy them right now while you can still get them orange uh, tip and all orange tip silver tip you know no set tip one b- clear tip <laughs> Just the tip, whatever. Fifteen percent tip. <laughs> yeah, set set one aside. Buy two. Set one aside as an investment, you know, or something, and then buy another one to mod and open, you know, or whatever. I am uh, buying one to mod for my wife's pack. Cause uh, you, I know, fucking hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, the original That's plan a- was I bought two. Um. But now knowing that their price increase, I'm hoping to get an orange tip one for her. But I'm trying to manage weight. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if we want to go on the toy mod thing, like, I've seen some really cool mods of the 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 mod wand, the, the one that was released for Afterlife, mm-hmm. the blue one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's fairly decent scale for a toy, definitely compared to the little role play one that walmart was selling with the Um, built-in stream yeah yeah it's i've seen some really cool modifications of it and some really fun uh customization of it and uh especially like if if the wand is really intimidating for you and you're not confident in building a kit or you can't afford uh a Hasbro wand, I I think that's a pretty decent alternative. You know, slap some black paint on it, maybe buy a couple of three D printed upgrades, and you know, it's something. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is something. It's got that sound on there, and you you know, it, it's definitely reasonably sized, and you get plastic switches. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, and you know, especially if you want to, if you're using a spirit pack and you want to upgrade that little tiny wand to something that's a little more to scale. You know, that's another good option. It is. 
there's 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 a lot of options out there, and I'm, I'm I guess I, I would be a lot more comfortable with people doing the modifying that that Hasbro what, what do we call it? the mod wand. Yeah, I believe it's called the mod wand. Okay, um, you know that'd be cooler. I just I think I get upset when I see sloppy modifications. Yeah, I mean, when it's like I drilled this hole, but I didn't bother sanding anything. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you drilled the damn hole, sand it, goddamn it. This isn't yeah. hard. You know, I know we have an episode uh, that we're talking about, you know, finishing and do's and don'ts, but mm-hmm. I can't stress how much, like, just take a little extra time. It's going to help yeah. you, you know, no matter what you're doing. If it's a 3D print, if it's aluminum, if it's anything, um, there's there's even parts of my aluminum thrower that I look at right now that I know I rushed and I don't like Yeah. It. Well, and that's what I was going to say is like, we don't say this to be elitist. We say it because we've made these mistakes many, many times. And we'll continue and, to make these mistakes. That's that's the other thing. We still just, make them. <laughs> yes, just less frequently. Yeah. And we're. I think we're a little more uh, aware of where we can get away with it sometimes and where we can't or where we shouldn't. Surely. You know. Um, then there's a long tangent on on toy wands and it was a long packs tangent. <laughs> what about what about other details? If you're doing a, a you know, what are other detail changes between the wands? The most common ones would be uh, Ghostbusters one, Ghostbusters two. The heat sink gets rounded out for Ghostbusters two. Mm-hmm. So the Ghostbusters obviously a safety thing. Yeah, the Ghostbusters two wands were were made safer for the actors in which a lot of the hard edges, a lot of the sharp edges on the gun track, on the fins were all sanded down in Ghostbusters 2 just so that they were more rounded um, and then one of the biggest changes was the the, the banjos on the front um, yes. being that a lot of the packs went from Legree brass banjos to the uh, Nicoil banjos the red inserts, yeah. I still don't know why. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is, you know, like the ribbon cable, like the crank knobs. It's They had to do retrofitting. Maybe yeah. some were missing. They had to build additional pieces and parts, and that's just what was available at the time. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, no, well, that being available at the time, that makes sense. I think I get confused as to how something could get lost. Now, I know... Um, Matt had mentioned something interesting that, you know, as you extend and detract the front barrel, there is rubbing on the wire that's running through those banjos. Yeah. So I guess it's possible for ultimately them to maybe come off and finally get lost somewhere. Who knows? Yeah. Or even, you know, just the fact that, you know, they were making semi-hero packs. So they're making Mm -hmm. a whole new set of what? four five six packs yeah. stunt packs um and couldn't look you know they want all the parts to match across everything for the most part there are a couple of them that have one legree and one nicoil banjo on them for some reason mm-hmm. um you know and just from a continuity standpoint i guess maybe i mean i don't know how important continuity was to them because 
to those of us crazy enough to dissect every little detail of these packs at this point. We're continuity beyond, is not great. We're beyond the veil of of continuity because yeah. let, let's be real. When Hollywood's looking at continuity of a proton pack, they're like, okay, well, is there a glob of marshmallow here on both of the packs? Okay. When you're getting into what kind of banjo is on the front of the goddamn thrower, mm-hmm. you're you're not talking about continuity either you're, anymore. You're talking about obsessive, compulsive, detail-oriented psychopathy. Okay, maybe it's not continuity, but consistency <laughs> amongst all the all the props, right? Sure. You know, sure. I don't know. It, I don't know. Hey, man, all the proton packs are black continuity established there we go (laughs) us coming in here being like well (laughs) just glasses the the twist on this cable is quite different from the twist on the cable of these two (laughs) other packs the continuity is ruined for me as you're no longer in the world of continuity my friend you're in the world of absolute insanity (laughs) which is where we reside um you know, we're, oh we're... yeah, we've we we made our home here years and years ago. <laughs> well, you see, the spacer plate on this V hook is black on uh, on the stance pack, but on the other ones is still silver. The continuity just doesn't work. <laughs> They're just worried about if these actors are even standing on the same right fucking mark. Much less, you know, did the hose length change <laughs> from from nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty eight? Well, we do know that the blue hose and the hero packs is an entirely different shade of blue from the ones of the semi-heroes. That's just not going to stand, boys. we got to change it out. It's got to be consistent. How infuriated I was to find that yeah. two different shades of blue were used on, on the superhero. I'm not sure if that was initially how it was, but now how it stands. The blue hose on top of the, the ion arm is just a little translucent and compared to the yeah. other length which is more opaque. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a GB two uh, thing. I think, cause all the blue hose and like the semi heroes has a little bit of trans transparency mm-hmm. or translucency to it. Yeah. But that's for proton packs. We're talking wands. I know we're talking wands. Um, I guess another detail that I always kind of, uh, yeah, the you wands know, Clipper, are... Cl- Go on. Go ahead. No, no, you, you first. I talk all the time. Uh, well, like <laughs> the clippered valves. Yeah. You know, they're, the, even the clippered valves between a lot of the wands aren't consistent. Some of them have an R seven hundred one. Some of them have an R three three one. Is the label is the clippered logo facing up or is the diagram facing up? Um, and that's across heroes, semi heroes, stunts. You know, is the diagram um, a thick boy or is it a thin boy? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. You know, there's all sorts of just wild little differences between them that, uh, again, I like because each one has its own kind of little unique character to it. Mm -hmm. um, It makes it fun. You know, you could pick you could pick a very specific one to replicate. Oh, yeah. Just as as easily as you can with the pack. And you can also pick and choose all the details that you like. One of the details I'm actually always surprised that people don't pick more often is the Spangler Hero Thrower in Ghostbusters 2 in which the uh, the white hat light sits on top of the thrower yeah. instead of being embedded. I'm like, man, for, for a community that's so damn lazy, myself included, 
it's so much easier to put that thing on top than it is to to put it inside the thrower. <laughs> is it like that in Ghostbusters one? I I would have to go back and look at uh, the reference okay. to know off you know to know off the top of my head. I don't think it is, but don't quote me. If only there were a Facebook group we could check. There is, but I've great... already I've already done the website checkings for today. I'm doing it right now. Good my you. phone is at three percent. Oh my gosh! And it could very well die. It probably will. You'll find the photo. You'll click on it, and your phone will turn off. That's okay. All I need is a split second, baby. And then, of course, you have uh, the the superhero in which that that top hat hat light is orange and embedded. Which is one of my favorite details of all the wands. I like the orange light on top. I think it's much nicer. It gives a lot mm-hmm. more uh, visual interest to the top of the thrower. I'm surprised that it didn't go to all the other throwers. It must have been a, this is what we have, you know, versus, yeah. you know, uh, as they're picking through everything over at Apex Electronics. Um, and then uh, there's there's some difference in which knobs are painted you know, the superhero in Ghostbusters is obviously all blacked out. But then in Ghostbusters 2, even though you don't see it, it has a silver top knob with some some extra new decals on it. Yeah, I want to talk about that real quick. The uh, First of all, before I get to that, the GB1 Spangler wand still has the recessed hat light on top. The first one. Okay. Anyway, um, the... The stream adjust knob, I guess, mm-hmm. is what people refer to it as. The the one, two, three decals on top. Yes. I have for years assumed that was a Ghostbusters one detail. And only recently, I don't remember where I saw it. It was on one of the groups, some comments somewhere, somebody said that that was added post GB one. I believe it. <laughs> And so, like, it just, it shattered everything I knew. Oh, like, no. I thought, okay, wait a minute. I thought they all had that on top in Ghostbusters 1, and now you're telling me that it's only on the superhero, and it was added after GB1? Oh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, why? I don't know why they did the modifications they did on the superhero, only to not have the damn thing show up. Right. I don't know. I like the little numbers on top. I do too. Um, I think the little numbers on top is a great addition. And, um, you know, I've seen so many GB1 builds that include them. Well, uh, I, I, not think, that... I think when you get to the people that include them, it's not necessarily, and I'm guilty of this, you know, you just want all the cool details on there. I mean, mm-hmm. ideally, you would take all the cool details from every single pack that makes it cool and shove it into one pack, and that would be the ultimate Ghostbusters hero pack, or the ultimate yeah. Ghostbusters thrower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's not a big deal to just scrape them off if, yeah, if you learn otherwise, oh, it's not accurate or whatever. But you know, anyway, I I like the black painted knobs too from that are on the superhero G one. I, I equally love those. Uh, the the superhero thrower only has. Uh, the red danger label on the instrument bar and the white or silver danger label 
on the uh, left side over the the mm-hmm. two wonky nipple knobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I guess going back to oh, and gun track labels it has gun track labels. Oh yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, g- g- kind of going back to the uh, the stunt trap, the GB one stunt trap for a minute. Um, you know, I guess we've all kind of hypothesized at this point that the the yellow rod trap is basically the prototype. Right. It's the it's the superhero. It's of... the superhero of ghost traps. Which now I'm like, oh, that's why I love it so much. Yeah, and. You know, I had gone through, I'd even made a post on the workbench asking if anybody had dry rubs for the trap, for the front plate. But it's sterile. Uh, Well, you know, they're on the red version, with the red rod version. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have three whole shots of that trap in the movie. Right. There's like two usable screen grabs that you can get when it's not blurry. And then there's like one black and white behind the scenes photo. All the rest of the reference we have is when it's in its red rod configuration or its GB2 reconfiguration. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pulling reference and, and, you know, whatever I can and trying to come up with a reasonable facsimile of how it appeared in the film. And I think I was talking to, I think I was talking to Stuart. Stuart and John Anderson, both maybe, mm-hmm. but kind of decided that okay it doesn't have any of the dry rubs on it at that point there's none on the side plate where the the knob is there's so there's probably none on the front plate either agreed and so i threw i went through all this trouble to <laughs> get these dry rubs and everything and then just ended up not using them well you're gonna have to build not another that, trap well yeah not that they won't get used but and so i'm sitting here thinking like it, it makes sense that the superhero thrower you know it doesn't have it's missing so many of the labels like even even the gb1 stunt traps don't have the red danger label on the battery box in the back mm-hmm. um the yellow rod doesn't have any labels it, has, it doesn't have the warning label on the side with the teardrop knob i i just have... i love how they moved so far in the opposite direction though mm-hmm so you have the the sterile yellow rod trap as the the prototype or should we start calling it the superhero trap? No, no, no. That'll confuse everybody. Whatever. Yeah. Um so you start with the super sterile, super nothing on there, no labels, no dry rubs or anything, and then you get all the way to the ballroom trap and it has a label on the front of the battery box. It has a label on the back of the battery box. It has a label mm-hmm. on the underside of the trap. It has uh, yeah. dry rubs on the front. It has dry rubs on the side. It has another label on the other side. <laughs> it's yeah. like, they're like, no, any sticker that you have left, put it on this ghost trap and this yeah. ghost trap alone. But it's cool. I mean, it's it's a neat thing to be able to see the evolution of the props as it's being filmed, mm-hmm. you know, and that, again, I think that's why the superhero is so interesting is that, you know, you can see what they were thinking and where they ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the superhero thrower is probably my favorite thrower out of all of them. I know it's yours. It is. It is. Uh, I, you know, before I even knew the whole everything that was going on with that pack. I was like, Oh man, that blacked out thrower is so cool. Yeah. And well, uh, I think the thing about the blacked out knobs too, I know they don't stand out 
on camera, which is probably the whole reason they were changed. But the weathering you get from them is so sexy. Oh, it is. And uh, but, you know, as as unique as it is, I think they did make good decisions in in changing how those knobs would be and leaving them silver for more visual interest because, you know, they the the throwers do become more visually interesting when you leave them raw. Yeah. And, you know, it breaks it up and it's not just a black blob. Um, It's almost surprising that maybe they didn't even leave the heat sink raw that was one of the things that was included on the spirit pack that i was like i don't know where they're pulling this from but it's kind of cool yeah i mean again you know you paint it black you get some really great weathering out of it you know scratches and dents and dings that that show up but like it does look really cool when it's just silver like when i was putting together the first phoebe pack and i was building the wand for it i i just dry fit the the raw aluminum heatsink on there, you know, so I could drill my holes and stuff for the the mounting screws. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, this looks sharp. I like this. Or how about the fact that the superhero spent a a pretty decent amount of time with no rear cylinder on it. Finally, finally, I have my, my revenge, my confirmation as it were. Oh, um, so for years and years and years, I've I've been saying that that close up of the superhero thrower on the rooftop, uh, when they show the Whamco pulsing, um, that that the rear cylinder is not there, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Oh no, no, it is, it is, it is." I'm like, "No, it's not." I I've I've got a pretty good grasp on an accurate length of green hose on that rear cylinder, and if you look at the thrower at that angle, the green hose should should would it would interrupt the 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 bar graph it would be in front of it mm-hmm. and um so for a long long time i thought that that's why the superhero thrower now has a silver rear cylinder on it because it was simply just absent from the prop um now we were able to find through a lot of difficulty uh evidence of that rear cylinder being there and being painted black and Ghostbusters one, um, but again, Stuart doing man, he's a fucking crafty little librarian. Um, <laughs> he's been posting more 4K shots, so he's going through and getting more reference. You know, things that maybe we necessarily have never paid attention to. Um, yeah. but finally scraped up shots of when they're going up the stairwell of Fifty Five Central Park West, and. Ernie is wearing the superhero and there is no rear cylinder on that thrower. I'm trying to pull up. There it is. I think I, I briefly looked at those photos yesterday. I think Mm -hmm. last night is when he uploaded them. I was like, Oh cool. Those are great. You know, but I didn't pay that much attention. And now I'm I'm like frantically trying to scroll all the way to the bottom of the, the one. Yeah. He posted Proton them. Pack. He posted them on Thursday, and I remember because last Thursday I was having a bit of a rough day, um, and he posted those, and it gave me something to to distract myself from uh, from the difficulty of the day. Uh, and I remember even reaching out and thanking him. You know, I know he didn't do it intentionally for me to upload those. He's doing his his due diligence, his his nerdiness, but uh, yeah. 
just going through that, it was a very rewarding moment to see that, yeah, though, that rear cylinder is 100% not present on that thrower. Oh, I can see it now. Like, that angle and everything. There's mm-hmm. no green hose. There, Yeah, you would be able to see the cylinder sticking mm-hmm. out. It's not there. It's not there. That's... That's wonderful. So now are you going to rip it off of yours? Um, well, I, I think I'm going to just leave it silver. And then, okay. um, you know, I know it was never silver in Ghostbusters 1. But I like the idea of it being silver because it's a callback to that search of information. And I've mentioned mm-hmm. this before, that that's why I'm going to keep it silver. Um, and I also like that if I want to take it off, I can. And it's still accurate, and I can still be like, ha, 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 and you can you can unscrew your hose barb, and it's still accurate because you get that nice little threaded insert. I absolutely do. Yep, it'll it'll always be nice and secure, and then I can lose it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'll lose it. No. no, but I was I was very pleased to see that. I was uh, happy to see one of my theories kind of confirmed that at one That's point, so cool. It was not I'm obsessed there. with this shot. That's so great. I want to build one of these just like this, just as a display piece. That would be a great display piece. And maybe it's just the angle, but it, and maybe it's just the the grip sticking out. But it almost looks like the front handle is like crooked. Uh, the front grip is crooked. Yeah, which they're all crooked, but yeah, it's just the perspective of it. Like it, it, it kind of fucks with it, and makes it look like it's the whole front handle is just like bent. Yeah. Still, that's cool. That's, yeah. Why didn't you tell me about that? You didn't text me and be like, oh my God, I was right. Oh me. I, I went from having a, a bad day Thursday to con crunch on Friday. And uh, Fridays mm-hmm. are my 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 wife and I's evening as well. Um, That's our designated date night. So I always, Fridays, I always try to kind of not be on social media as as much as I normally would be, and then you get me onto a con floor, and I basically forget my phone exists. Yeah, I texted you, and like three days later, it was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> a full conversation <laughs> happened with me involved in it that I had no part in. Yeah, yeah, it was funny too that that group text between you, me, and Stuart. I didn't even realize it was a group text until <laughs> until I finally I, chimed in until three I, days later. <laughs> yeah, I saw the notifications like Dan liked your message. I was like, Dan's in this, this chat. <laughs> oh, there he is. Well, that's why I was like, man, why does this cool conversation have to happen while I'm at a convention? Because you know, I'm getting home from the con. I'm so tired. I don't. I don't want to check messages. I don't. I don't want to do anything like that. I just want to go to bed. Oh, I don't blame you. It's all good. But uh, yeah, definitely some cool new reference images, and I think uh, Stuart's going through and trying to find more of of all the things to post them. So that's that's really exciting. It's really cool. Yeah, it's it's great that you know. It seems like he's got a focus on trying to get the the reference library like even more organized, and mm-hmm. um, I would even love to see. You know, he's got albums for like. GB1 traps, GB2 traps, but I'd like to see those broken down even further into specific GB1 traps, specific GB2 traps. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully he'll, uh, hint, hint, start his own website. A a, a massive uh, library. Yeah. 
And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the community that would gladly donate to the upkeep. Truly. So. Well, listen, Austin, I, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised. I feel like what what about the wands have we not really touched on that, that should be touched on? I mean, I you guess know, we can as... talk a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pop mech. Like okay. the this the screen accurate pop mech, if you will. The, the no, fact it, that it's, it's the just... handle twist. You twist the, yeah, handle, the handle, it pops out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like a shotgun. Sure. It's supposed to be like a shotgun. It's totally not that superfluous that, that... green lever that they keep keying every single time that they pop the barrel out. It's the, yeah. it's, it's the twist, not the lever. That's why there's a shotgun grip on it in Afterlife. It's a reference. It is. It's a callback. <laughs> Good God. Well, and then people well, trying to convince people that it was both. It's not both. It's not so both. You, you have to do it in tandem. It's like, or it's just one. It's just the lever. I so, was speaking more of like the internal mechanism, though. Like, it's well, literally welded together nails. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about the internal mechanism before. Everything yeah. that has come out since then, when people have finally designed working pop mechs, have been superior to what was in the actual movie. The actual yeah. movie comes down to the the inner barrel slides back, catches on a literal wood nail that's been welded together, and has been welded onto the the, the green lever. Mm-hmm. And then has a long coil spring that is attached to the rear cylinder so that when you pull that, the tension of the spring shoots the the barrel forward. Um, Freaky Kiki's Pop Mech is, I would say, the closest thing to screen accurate or, or mm-hmm. prop accurate, as we talked about earlier. Um, except his spring mechanism doesn't push the barrel forward, it pulls the barrel forward. So there's a lot more momentum to it. Um, and there's also a lot more consistency. There's a lot less for the Freaky Geeky Pop Mech to get caught up on. Whereas the, mm-hmm. the prop accurate one, man, I, they they just failed. They just failed. I mean, you look at them and you can tell. I almost wonder if they weren't a last minute like addition or feature. I would suspect Or if not. it was just the last thing they... Yeah, I mean, it, they're just so sloppily... I, I think it was something assembled that they... compared to everything else. I, I think it's something that they wanted. I think it was something that was hastily engineered. But I don't yeah. think it was a last-minute addition because it's too complex for them to have not thought about it for some time. But they only had two yeah. weeks to, to figure that, that feature out. Um, yeah, I mean, the the Mattel wand does it with a servo. Does it really? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I've never had a Mattel wand, so I, um, mean, I don't even think I've ever played with one. Yeah, so uh, the nice thing about it is that you you pull the green lever and it shoots out. You pull the green <laughs> lever again, and it comes back in. Um, but I did see one. Uh, I want to say like. Uh, our our friend over at Yes Have Some, I think Jacob, I think he mm-hmm. got one that was defective and turned it into like 
I don't know, proton sex toy mode, you'd pull the oh, green no. lever on it, and it would just start bzz, 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 like with one pull. <laughs> it was Damn. totally, and it just sits there, and just keeps shooting in and out, shooting in and out. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> adult collectible is was not a misnomer for this. Um, wow. And then uh, the the Hasbro one is closer to how RJ has his designed, and then. I haven't gotten a super solid look at throwing chickens, but I think throwing chickens is probably the furthest from a a prop accurate design and is rather intricate, but is designed for his thrower. So it works well and it works yeah. well with a, a kind of a collar, you know, the principle of it still sliding back and hooking on to a, a little catch is the same. Um, but I'm sure throwing chickens would be much more accessible for repair, like RJ's, than uh, than the Hasbro one. Yeah, it's just uh, it's definitely one of those things. It's it's had an evolution in the community for sure. I mean, I remember I think we talked about it briefly in one of our other episodes. You know, the mm-hmm. days when people were trying to figure out how to make like toilet paper roll mm-hmm. things. You know, turning those into into pop mix and um, especially like with you know 3D printing and stuff, people have come up with some really creative and and really reliable pop mechs. I still remember. I think I don't remember if it was Julian or or Tim Hook who designed one on the principles of a toilet paper hold, but like or toilet paper roller. Uh, with with their pop mech, but it ended up being like almost this like like cobbled together brass pipe. It, it was like super steampunk, and it worked great. But the yeah. damn mechanism took up like half the gun body, so there was almost no room for for electronics, much less to like successfully run electronics to the front of the thrower. Um, mm-hmm. But their barrel popped, and that was more than a lot of people could say. Um, Oh yeah, even, there was the dark days where nobody's did that. Yeah, um, you know if your if your front barrel twisted, you were you were a god amongst men. <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't normally, think I've ever had one that twisted. So yeah, I mean, normally, normally back then, if your barrel was twisting, it was because <laughs> your thrower was severely broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the first one I ever built. I mean, I, I built it from styrene, but man, it was all hot glued together, PVC pipe. And, and, the, and the PVC pipe I used was like, oh, it was so thin. I want to say it was like three quarter inch. Mm. <laughs> but I had a prop fan resin kit for the Greeblies and stuff. And his grips that he had at the time fit three quarter inch pipe. Right. And I don't know where that information came from. That must have been some of the really early days of like, you know, guesstimating what the what the outer diameter of those pipes were. But... Were, we, were we still taking measurements off of like spritz bottles? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I guess grips is something you could talk about. Like the grips on the pack are, are pretty unique on the wand are pretty unique. We don't know where they um, came from. I, I still think they just carved them out of some wood or something real quick and then just made a mold. I mean, they're not consistent. 
by any means. They could have sculpted them, maybe even. Maybe um, they're not. They're not symmetrical. But I, you know, I remember back in the day, people thought, "Oh, they're wood," because you can see the brown under the paint mm-hmm. where it's flaked off and scratched off. It's like, and then some somebody finally got smart and was like, "No, that's just yellowed resin." Yeah. Oh yeah. I love the idea of them being wood, though. Yeah, and you know when we were doing our vacuum form shells and stuff, we had done some uh, some wood grips, or a, we did a master out of wood, and we used something with a really like prominent wood grain in it, and uh, we cast them up, and it came out, and it was like, oh, that's so cool! You can see the wood grain. <laughs> It's just like the real ones. I don't know. I, I, that's definitely a <laughs> it's, it's a callback to the the real Ghostbusters proton packs. You know, mm-hmm. to do like a just a stained wood gun grip with a nice, you know, maybe this this the one percenters proton pack. You know, no yeah. brass, only gold fittings. With yeah, its, with its quality African mahogany grips. <laughs> yeah, and it's well, platinum. I mean, I... Platinum. Uh, switches and knobs i think that's kind of why i like the shotgun grip on the afterlife pack is i like that contrast between the it black a, and the wood it is a pretty contrast it really is yeah um you know the and the fact that the grips are the same but they're sanded differently mm-hmm. so they look like they're two different grips uh i believe the one on the front barrel is slightly shorter because it had to get sanded down to be able to fit between the gun ear and the the rear block mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the fact like we just mentioned earlier that the front grip is always crooked it sticks out because of the wires that run underneath mm-hmm. you know those are those are little details that i always kind of look for when i see someone doing a build um i don't fault anybody for wanting to have a grip that's perfectly straight it's, it's like, one of those details that bothers me up and down even though I know it's accurate. I'm just like, I hate this detail. I know it's correct. I hate this detail. Well, you can't do this podcast anymore. Oh. I'm just kidding. I always thought it was kind of like, it. it's almost more comfortable when it's kind of cocked out like that a little bit. Um, it seems to fit your hand a little better. Maybe. I don't know. You know? I'm, I'm so busy trying to not slice the underside of my thumb open. On uh, <laughs> on the gun track, <laughs> yeah, the gun tracks are are fun. I uh, I think we talked about it again in one of our proton back episodes. But the, you know, to me, it seems like the gun track was the initial concept for the actual hook mm-hmm. and how how it would attach to the pack. Um, and you know, it just got abandoned, and they just slapped a V hook on top of it. Very, I, I think that is a really reasonable explanation for why it looks so complex. Um, well, especially the fact that like there's a disc under the gun hook, under the under the female side of the gun hook, mm-hmm. isn't there? Yeah. Why is that there if it's just going to get covered up? So you know, it why is evenly? I don't know. I don't. I, to me, don't yell which, at me you know, about it. I just designed the damn thing. Well, I got to yell at somebody about it. Everybody else is dead. Oh, God. Crying over Stephen Dane's grave. How did this Stephen work? Dane. <laughs> Why can't Stephen Dane show up as a ghost at the end of one of our episodes and 
guide us towards and the guide us towards the resolution and then dissolve into a no ghost logo yeah plume of sparkles for Steven. somebody do some whoever's listening somebody do some fan art please for steven for steven for frodo <laughs> i don't know uh it didn't oh you have uh the s hook you know yeah not added until later yeah um because you can't i mean you can physically reholster it if you if you have a lot of practice but mm-hmm. it's just there to hang off one of the key fobs which i always liked yeah like i love like seeing ray with his wand just kind of hanging there you know um it's it's definitely more practical than trying to reholster it every time you're you know it's such a strange practical thing though like i always thought like why did they just add like why don't they just use the uh like the trap holster you know i've tried that and it's really hard to get it onto a trap holster at least the one that i made right and then get it back off because it's so rigid and so straight um because there's there's so much bulk of material uh on either side of the hook well, I, I know a key fob is super simple, but by the time you get past the length of everything, the the bottom of the thrower is, is you know, hitting the lower part of your shins. And it does mm-hmm. look cool. It does. But I'm just saying, like, why didn't they have, like, a, a, a little hearty loop of leather that went on yeah. the belt at an angle in a, in a V-hook and you just Old West-style holster it onto your belt? Like now, nah, let's let's choose this this uh, thing for hanging your keys off of. Well, I mean, you know, it's I'm sure it was all last minute. So, but I've seen people that have done like thigh holsters for it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that, but I don't know. I love those little details like that, though. Like I I like the S hook. I think it's a cool little thing. You know, it is. It's a great great detail and that's also how you know a day is getting long is when people mm-hmm. refuse to put the thrower back onto their pack yeah because <laughs> they want to take some of that weight off their back <laughs> yep. um you know i don't think i've seen a thigh holster for a thrower it's been a long time since I've seen one, but it was back in like, you know, 2010, 2011, something like that. All right. People well, were, I don't know, I feel like that was the heyday of like custom gear. Okay. I'll Especially with like out. the, with the video game being yeah. out, like everybody was like modding their gear and, you know, doing all this crazy shit with it. And I, I remember seeing thigh holsters specifically for the wands. The only um, thigh holster I ever remember being used was uh Winston's pack in the comic books. He had that little proton pistol. Oh, it makes way more sense with a little pistol like that. Yeah. Um the thing the issue I was seeing is that okay, that's cool, you can holster it. But if it's straight up and down, it's just like right against your leg and you can't kneel down. Yeah. Um but if you tried it at an angle, it's just going to look stupid. <laughs> I think the perfect solution would be like uh, one of those radio holsters. The swivel ones. The swivel. You need to get yeah. a swivel. Swivel radio holster. That's what I was thinking. You have the swivel radio holsters where the entire holster comes off of like the belt clip. I don't know. But now we're getting into custom gear. Yeah. We'll table that one for later. Yeah. I think we have a custom 
gear coming up. Like custom mods. We have uh yeah, custom packs. That's that's actually coming up pretty damn soon. Um that'll be a fun I'm episode. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a fun episode. We'll have to find some really good uh you've earned it for those and, and talk about any wonky custom projects we did. Um those, I mean those are throwers, you know? Oh, attaching your loom to your thrower. Yes. People overcomplicate that step so much. Drill a hole or two on the underside of your back handle and run a length of zip tie through it. And now your hose is attached to your thrower. Yep. And is also screen accurate. Yeah, and even if you don't want the screen accurate detail of the of the loom having pulled back out of the ho- or out of the tube <laughs> right 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 but still being zip tied just cut your loom a little bit longer so that you get a good inch inch and a half down in there mm-hmm. and then zip tie it you don't have that problem yep. having said that i do enjoy uh all of the attempts at like quick connects and stuff that have been kind Including of seen over on the, the years. Phoebe pack well, yeah, the, and that's what I was getting at is that the fact that they actually implemented a real quick connect mm-hmm. on the Phoebe pack, that is my one of my absolute favorite additions to the pack from Afterlife. I it love that addition. detail. Um, and it's so practical and it makes so much sense. It is a cool addition. But that's how you attach your hose to the back of your thrower. Drill a hole, yeah. run a zip tie, profit. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to get into the specific specifics of exactly what type of zip tie it is and what size? I sure don't. Okay. The We're info's t- out there. Just search for it. It is. We're at the two-hour mark, Austin, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little you bit drained. sleepy. I am sleepy. I am. And I know, but, you know, I thought there would be more to talk about with the throwers because they're so intricate. You know, Greeblies, I still don't know how we went on for like two hours and 20 minutes. Um, I would be okay if that record holds that like, that's our longest episode for the entire duration of of our, however long we end up doing this show. Absolutely. Well, listen guys, so we're going to, we're going to go ahead and close it off at there. I think we've talked about a bulk amount of the wands. Um, We have a finishing um, and a do's and don'ts. And, and maybe uh, and everything else, everything that we didn't cover. So I would always say, hey, if there's something about the Proton Pack building process we haven't touched on yet, remember, we still have one or two more episodes on this topic. Drop us a line. Drop us a line at, you know, um, on the, the Black Firehouse podcast Facebook. Um, or you can send us a message. We'll, we'll make sure we write it down. It'll, we'll... We should do that, the the community outreach thing, get a list of questions. That yeah. was really successful when we did that uh, about a month or two ago. So let's do that again. Um, yeah. That way we can get exactly what people want to hear about with regards to to throwers and, and the packs themselves. And, uh, and we'll try to get a guest on here pretty soon. I'm going to aim for Stuart because I love him to death in his reference library. I think I lost Austin. Well, anyhow, I'll go ahead and close up this episode, guys. 
Um, you can always like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can catch us on our RSS feed every Tuesday or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, for the Black Firehouse Podcast, this is Dan Harshman and uh, maybe Austin, but not really because I can't hear him, uh, asking you to <laughs> go out and build something. Have a great night, guys. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye. For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to build a 